if someone is closed off to the love of God, then our task of evangelization or the charismatic proclamation is introducing them to a relationship with Jesus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm joined with my sensitive co-host, Dave <laughs> Roaring Lion Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? Good. I, those are those are good. I'm a sensitive Well, Roaring guy. Lions, in, it's inspired by your... Uh, by your uh, your book, your My spiritual book? warfare prayer. No, book. it's it's yeah. not a, it's not spiritual warfare, Gomer. It's just a devotional prayer book. Uh, devotional it, prayer book for warriors. No, it's not. It's just a devotional prayer book. It's a it's a little prayer book that I put together for myself, and then so many people asked me for it. I went ahead and published it. So oh, so about your spiritual warfare prayer book. Stop um, saying that. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, do you remember a guy from Franciscan named Luke Crawford? Luke Crawford. Luke Crawford. He's from Texas, and you okay. only like people from Texas. So, no, you don't That's remember true. this guy. He, he. No, uh, no. Anyways, he is the principal of a school out here, and I, I spoke at the school last night. It's called Cardinal Worrell North Catholic High School, which I guess is kind of unfortunate. But, but <laughs> that name's uh, gonna hold up. Go on. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but the principal is a guy that we were in in school with at Franciscan. His name's Luke Crawford. He is. He's like just doing awesome like he's just kicking butt at this school and getting all the right people on board and as i met teachers and like theology teachers and campus ministers it was like one was more impressive than the next as far as like commitment to the faith and spreading the faith and you know it just brought me back to like man you get the right people on board and things just happen you know and it's it's amazing what this guy has done to just transform this school they uh, just ran their first, I can't remember if they're doing Tech or Kairos, but they're doing one of those things, and they had 37 kids, and I think the next one they're going to have like 67 or something like that. Wow. Um, but but they're doing really well, and um, uh, one of the guys who is the head of campus ministry is a good friend of my family's, and he's he's awesome, you know, and he they're just, they're so committed to this. And the best part is he's he and one of the theology teachers, they listen they said religiously to every knee shall bow. That's right. That <laughs> hey, is right. I love it. Hey, because I know you're not going to bring this up. I feel like I'm, I want to do this. So yeah. everybody needs to know that there's a big deal happening right now. Gomer is raising money for an awesome project. We ha all have to donate money to get Gomer back into the prisons. Desperately, <laughs> we need to get him back into the prisons. But no, seriously, Gomer has an awesome campaign going on right now for a program that he is adapting to be a, basically a curriculum, a video curriculum to bring into prison ministry. And it's going to, it's really going to be a game changer. So Gomer, how, how do people find out about it? Yeah. So, um, this is the, Oh, no, no, thank you. No, thank you at all for just mentioning your campaign that's going on, but that's cool. Right. No, I'm just going to slide over it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I paid you to mention it. Um, <laughs> No, thank you, Dave, for mentioning that. Oh my gosh, bless you, bless your heart. Uh, the <laughs> no, worst. the uh, so one of the things that I did for Ascension Press is I recorded the Radical Communities curriculum, and series one and two have been out for a while. Series three and four were still in production, and they were having some production issues. And we were talking about different ways of kind of taking that content, maybe chop it up and 
put it out into the ether and, and do different things. And so I suggested, why not just let me buy it back from you? Essentially give you give them back the money that they gave me to produce it. And uh, they love that idea. So um, I, my hope was to take that and maybe make my own small group curriculum out of it and do, you know, whatever. However, the following weeks, I ended up talking with my friend who got me into the prison ministry, Jerry. And Jerry runs all of our, what we call the Colby Prison Retreat Ministries, um, north of I-10, which is kind of like the highway that splits Houston in half. And so he's responsible for a bunch of prisons. And I go to this one prison called the Ferguson Unit. And the Ferguson Unit is a maximum security men's prison. I've talked about it a bunch of times, but it has my heart. And one of the things he said was, he gets to go back now to what we call G5s, people in administrative segregation or what you peasants would call uh, solitary confinement. And so he, I mean, picture this, Dave. Okay, just picture this. MS-13, one of the yeah. most violent Scary, international yeah. gang gangs and cartels and all that stuff in the world. Um, you know, these people are serving multiple life sentences in solitary. Right. That's nuts. They have never had a human being touch them or say kind words to them. Why would you? You're just viewed constantly with suspicion and fear, right, and disgust. And then in comes Jerry. And Jerry went to a class that we have at my parish on, on morality called The New Way. And um, it was taught by my buddy Brian Jones. And in that, Brian talked about how the incarnation affects us morally. And so he was making the connection of... Like we human beings need physical contact. We need to be close to one another. Like we need this community thing. And so he it made an impression on Jerry. So Jerry, the next week, give, is giving out Holy Communion. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. And he tells him the little thing from Brian Jones. And then he slides his pinky into this tiny little hole where he gives Holy Communion. And he puts his pinky in and he says, I want you, if you want to, you can take hold of my pinky he said, this is so awkward, right? And he said, and I want you to, we're going to pray the Our Father together, and I just want you to close your eyes and imagine Jesus is embracing you. And if you want, you can just squeeze my pinky while we pray, if that's what you want to do. So Jerry sticks his pinky in there and starts praying the Our Father. Every one of these guys like, is like grabbing and squeezing his pinky and sobbing hysterically. This is awesome. This As they're amazing. praying the Our Father, right? So Jerry is sitting down with me. He said, I would love to do more for these men, but they're not. They're in solitary. So the amazing people at the unit were like, listen, okay, they become, the more Jesus they get, the less violent they get. So he said, what if we were to move, and I don't know if it's the solitary guys or the, the, the G4s, people right under them, but they, were, they agreed that they would lower them on the prison cell to the ground floor wheel a tv over and all the men can watch through the little keyholes or whatever can watch these catholic videos this because you're crazy. not allowed this is awesome. yeah because you're not allowed to do um you're not allowed to go into their cells and do all that stuff so they can watch it and so jerry and i were talking and we had been trying to create a catholic apologetics curriculum for the prisons because they're so inundated with this stuff um, it was extreme anti-Catholicism from their fellow inmates. And so, and, and the, the grant didn't go through. And so we were like on the struggle bus thinking about different stuff. And then I thought, well, what about this curriculum? I mean, my curriculum is based off of some of the stuff that could 
that could be transformed into this. And then the other problem was we were having is they the men, when they come to our Monday, we call it the Catholic lay-in, they want small groups. And I was like, small groups? I got small groups. I got small groups at the wazoo. Right. And so I, we started talking, and then I went home, and I, I was looking at this curriculum that you know I did with Ascension. I'm going through my old stuff, and I was like, I can adapt this. I can make this work for the prisons. And so I put up a GoFundMe. I had originally created GoFundMe and then never did anything with it. But I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all the videos because Ascension Press has given me everything. The raw files, the finished content that they had published, everything, which is so awesome. And so I'm going to take it. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to refashion and recreate it. And I'm going to make a prison curriculum out of this. Who will help cool. me buy it back? But it's not just about buying it back. That's one set price. The other thing is, then I have to mint the DVDs. I have to actually edit all the videos, which, right. whoop, learning curve. Uh, I have to do all that stuff. And then I have to make books that are prison compliant, right? And so oh. the whole hope is that I can create a pretty cheap curriculum for the prisons, but it responds directly to what they need. And the crazy thing was, is within three and a half days, I had f the full funding for the 10 grand. That was my minimum. Within three and a half days, one person wrote me a check within one minute uh, for five thousand dollars. That is so awesome. And I was like, "Why? Why did you do this?" And they were, they just said, "Oh, I've been following you ever since we used to work together. I believe in what you're doing, and this prison stuff is amazing." Um, I've been getting people who are giving me thousand dollar, five hundred dollar, you know, and it's blowing me away. It's amazing. People in Australia, friend of mine, Sugar Garcia, she's donating all this stuff. So um, I get this email from GoFundMe, and it says, "Hey, you should up the pledge." Uh, now that you've met your minimum and i'm like well that seems so annoying like hey right. we did it guess what i changed everything but um i really do need more <laughs> more money for this so i up the pledge to fifteen thousand with the hope that that five thousand can go to things like writing and help with editing if i need to pay yeah. you know a video editor to come alongside me and help me with some of this stuff so you can find it go to gofundme it's called the catholic prison formation um, you just type that into their search and, you, and you'll find it. Um, and if you want to give, you can give. It'd be awesome. And it's just another way that we can get the gospel into prison. So the first set is how to do small groups. The second set uh, series is called, it was originally called Repent. And it just leads people to what does it mean to have a saving faith in Jesus Christ? And then the third one is, so let's say you make a saving, you have saving faith in Christ. What does it look like to live the life of a disciple? Like, what are the beginning steps? Right. And then the last one is Christe Fides Leiji and five, five Lessons. So it all kind of builds and builds on each other. And that's like my core curriculum of what I want. And I'm going to take that from those four series and turn it into one prison curriculum. Now, I might be able to save those series and send them out as individual standalone small group stuff. But my hope is, at the very least, to make this prison curriculum about 10, 10 to 12 ser uh, sessions long. This is cool. I'm excited. I'm excited about it. So, yeah. So go go uh, go help Gomer out. Go this fund is important. me. Yeah. Um, and actually, really not help Gomer. Help the help the prisoners out who are hungry. Yeah. I'm not making an income from this. Just so people know, like the prison curriculum, uh, or the the money that people give me for the GoFundMe is to create the curriculum. It's not so that I can take extra vacation days from my jobby job and do this. So I will be doing this at like one o'clock in the morning, you know, like finding right. snatches of time to just create this thing and, and make it work. So, and we're going to have to film additional stuff. So all that is going to go into building this curriculum. Cool. It's awesome. Hey, so this week, Gomer, 
I have yeah. uh, so just strangely, I've heard a lot of opinions about what evangelization is. Huh. Okay. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Like oh, good be, deal. It, and here here's why because I'm like I okay. So my men's group um, that I go to pretty regularly when I'm in town um, that I love. It's these a lot older than me. I'm, I'm I think I'm the youngest guy there. Um, and w- the topic, w- they use that book signposts or whatever. Have you ever seen that? It's like a men's group. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so far it's been fine. It's kind of hokey, but, um, <laughs> the topic was evangelization, you know? And, um, so it, it's interesting. And then I've had a lot of conversations this week about like what evangelization is. So I've heard a lot of opinions about what is evangelization. And I think like we, we run the risk of it like we have to be careful that there are things that aren't evangelization. And the reason I think we have to make sure that we know what it is and what it isn't is because if we know what it is, then we can talk about it. We can train for it. We can uh, explore it. We can theologize about it. We can do all these things. Um, but to just basically say like every tenet of the faith is evangelization, I think I think it's a mistake because it waters down the message. Um and so there's this guy in this men's group who's a convert, and he is a rock star. His name's Pete, and um, he I think he was a Mennonite. Uh, I'm, I I can't remember exactly, but he is super genius too as well. You can just tell um, everything he says is very well thought out. But he was talking about the um, you know the apocryphal quote of Saint Francis of Assisi: "Go uh, yeah. preach the gospel everywhere if you have to use words, right? Or preach the gospel always if you have to use words." And he was saying, you know, the problem with that is that it takes the the impetus off of using words, like that you think you can just preach through your life, right? And um, that's not true. Like we must use words. And 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 it's interesting because then everybody kind of gave their opinion on what evangelization was, and a lot of people basically settled with, um, or, or at least the group in general, kind of settled with like, look, if you're just like living your faith in public, that's evangelization. And, and I'm not saying it's not. Of course, that's true, right, in, in a certain sense. Like, living a radical faith in the eyes of the world is evangelization. But we run the risk of, like, calling everything evangelization then. Like, praying your rosary is evangelization. You know, pray, doing this is evangelization. And the problem is then it becomes watered down. And so when you call someone to evangelization, they don't really know what you're talking about. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Am I making uh, sense at all? Or yeah, the ravings I, of a madman. These are the ravings of a madman sketched across yeah. his prison wall. Um, I do see that there is an inherent fear of actually talking about Jesus, right? Yeah. There's yeah. an inherent fear, and so people step away from that by saying, but, 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 it's about how I live my life. In fact, I heard a bishop one day, I was at, uh, I was at an event, and a bishop just shot down the whole idea of proclaiming the gospel completely what? during a homily, <laughs> like all you need to do is just live, uh, live your faith, and then and and you're good, right? People will see the witness, and Ugh. I was livid, but it reminded me of you having that conversation where that nun was angry that yeah. you said it's it's on all of us to proclaim the faith. Um. But I will make the distinction, right? This is one of the reasons why I love the understanding of kerygma. Because in the steps of, like the way Pope Paul VI has chosen to define evangelization for our parish, uh, or for our, our church, 
one of the things that he did was he said like the whole thing of form conforming a person to Christ is evangelization and there are moments along the way and the reason why I like the phrase like proclaiming the gospel is because it touches specifically upon this moment right that someone might be at the pre-evangelist stage evangelization stage where we need to use philosophy and all that stuff you know talk about happiness and all this or we need to focus on you know, proclaiming what Christ accomplished for people and repentance and all this stuff. So I do see, I do see that when everything becomes, I think the reality is everything's becoming an excuse not to proclaim the gospel. To evangelists, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's the scariest thing. Protestants tend to keep evangelization as just proclaiming the gospel, you know, initial proclamation in those multiple steps. Um, whereas Catholic theology, especially since St. Pope Paul VI, focuses on evangelization as this broader thing. So there is a little right, nebulousness. Right. Um, yeah, of course there is. Yeah, like he, catechesis is a moment within evangelization. Right, right. right. Uh, li liter liturgical worship is a moment within it. So you begin to step back and see, like, in a, in a, in, it ends with enculturation, right? The gospel conquering right. cultures and reweaving things. But you're right. But, and, but, but I, I think the fear is in the proclamation. Right, and my fear is that if we lose the language, it's it's difficult to call people to it. Then you know, like I think, yeah, my, of yeah. all the things I'm so thankful to Sherry Waddell about, the thing I'm most thankful is she gave us like a language to speak. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. is using the language yeah. now of intentional discipleship to the point where I hate the word intentional now. It's driving me crazy. But <laughs> but that's but that's the truth is that it, she gave us like a language to speak in her book and people understand it. And I think that that's what's kind of important about this is that like we have to draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, why have a topic called evangelization? You know, like. Just, I mean, it, it, otherwise everything is. So I don't know. It was just like something that I've been thinking about all week, you know, that like evangelization is something and we have to make sure that we're not just like watering it down to mean anything that, that makes like anything that has any semblance of Catholicism. Yeah. Um, one, you know. one thing that Reverend Timothy Keller, who's a Presbyterian pastor out in Manhattan, he has this phrase where he says, um, the gospel is not the results of the gospel. And what he means by that is the gospel is good news, right? So yeah. it's good, so you should share it, and it's news because it's about what already happened. And he said, right. but when you ask people what's the gospel, they'll say things like feeding the poor, you know, right. um, getting getting your sexual life in order, or whatever it might be, left or right, blah blah blah. And he says, no, it's about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus accomplished. If you want to put it in one sentence, it's he is risen, right? Or Jesus right, is right. Lord, right? So it's that notion that we're losing touch with what Christ accomplished for us, and we're making it our response in all the many ways, like how I love my family, how I serve the poor, how I remember the marginalized, how I sacrifice myself for the good of another, how I catechize my cam soup food drive and all that stuff right and yeah. it's like no 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 you're losing things that is not the gospel the gospel is what jesus did he enables those other things as results but that's not the gospel i think that's a, that's a super helpful for people because once we understand it then we can see where we are doing awful at it and right. i think I, I you know people talk about how saying god is love which was our last episode people talk about how when they're in religion class 
you know, in this watered down, terrible CCE. They're not getting theology. They're not getting catechesis. They're just getting God is love. Now let's glue some cotton balls onto paper plates and talk about right. being the Lamb of God. Um, but one of the things that I have found is that it, it, we say God is love in this like saccharine, vague way. When we say that God loves you as an individual, as if you were the only person who has ever lived, that deeply affects people. Oh, and yeah. losing sight of that part of the proclamation is so easy, which is why we recorded last week's episode. Let's be like, right. okay, let's get back to basics. Let's remember that proclaiming that people are loved by God to the point where Christ died for them is huge. And we need to keep that at the forefront. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only way to understand any of our faith, really. It's, you know, it's like it's that foundation on which it's built because uh, it's just too much to take. Everything else is too much to take without understanding. That's the foundation of all of it, you know. Um, yeah, when but necessary, yeah, but, use words. Guess what? It's necessary. It's necessary. <laughs> There's a lot of times yeah, where and, it's well, necessary. Actually, yeah, and actually the, um, the, the, the real quote from St. Francis is... Um, it, there's no point in preaching unless you're living as you're preaching. No, it's uh, and, there's and, no use walking somewhere to preach unless you're walking as walking, also you're okay, preaching. Okay, right, right. All right, fine, Gomer. Okay, and so <laughs> and so and so, but that really speaks more to the point, right? And yeah. and that what that's speaking to is a whole life, right? Like that, yeah. an evangelist who doesn't live what they're saying is just it's it's not good. You know, it's not powerful evangelization. Um, so, you know, I I, I think. Um, I, I just think what we need to make sure there's a lot of extreme statements being made about evangelization right now, I guess is what I'm saying. And when I say extreme, I don't mean like aggressive. I just mean there are universal statements. So for instance, uh, there are people who say, well, evangelization is just living your faith in the world. Uh, well, it is and it isn't. Okay. Well, evangelization is just strictly preaching the gospel, the good news to people who don't know it. Well, it is and it isn't. Uh, evangelization isn't real evangelization unless there's physical healings going with it. You hear that one now. Well, no, that's not true. You know, I mean, there's a, all this, all these like opinions about what evangelization is out there. And I think we got to be careful just because um, it's just, it's so much more complicated than that, right? Like you can't, you can't, we can't reduce it down to like one line, a little pithy political statement, you know, that like a, like a senator's using when they're running for a campaign or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Make the gospel simple again. <laughs> there you go. All right. I don't know. All right. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm Make doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Make the gospel great again. Uh, yeah. There you go. That's perfect. But, <laughs> but anyways, I mean, you know, I th I think it's important. So, so uh, you know, why don't we just throw out kind of like a definition of evangelization since we're opening since we're kind of opening the discussion about this, and that is in in my. In my, you know, non-academic definition, definition, I'd say it's it's introducing people to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? To the good news of Jesus Christ, and that can take so many different forms. We have to have kind of a general view of that, but uh, remember that it includes both the word of our testimony, like it says in Scripture, and also the way we live, and also the enculturation of the gospel. It's a very complicated topic. But it doesn't have to include everything. <laughs> yeah. And very specifically, this is why the kerygma is meant to be a help to us. And this is why we have things like the four spiritual laws or Jeff Cavins's uh, seven points on charismatic proclamation, right? Like, you, we all need to see that everything. What, what did Pope Francis say? He had this great line in Evangelii Gaudium. Um, 
when he relates evangelization to uh, when he relates evangelization to catechesis. Oh, here we go. He says, we must not think that in catechesis, the kerygma gives way to a supposedly more solid formation. Nothing is more f- solid, profound, secure, meaningful, and wisdom-filled than that initial proclamation. Yeah. All Christian formation consists of entering more deeply into the kerygma. And that's the work of catechesis. And I think that is an amazing way to start to look at this. Like Introducing people into a relationship with Jesus Christ is the entirety of Christianity, right? Right. Um, what's his name? Frank Sheed said uh, it's the union of man with God in Christ Jesus. Right, so you look at that, that's the relationship that we have with Christ Jesus, our union with him. What is the Eucharist? What is baptism? What are the other sacraments, right? It's the union of man with God in Christ Jesus. The church's sexual teaching, right? The church's medical morality teaching, end of life issues, all of that comes from this initial foundation. So you couldn't be more right. Like, what is it? If someone is closed off to the love of God, then our task of evangelization or the charismatic proclamation is introducing them to a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love, I love it. And you know, and and the Christ basically called to you know calls us into a relationship with Himself, and He He then kind of takes over. I mean, that's the beautiful part about this is that we just play these little roles in helping along the way. And uh, I I think about this often, like with the the you know that weird story in the Gospel of the the Gerasene demoniac. You yeah, know? there's this weird kind of scripture at the end that the or this weird sentence at the end that has always kind of haunted me it, not haunted me but in the sense that it just always I think about it all the time and that is that you know the guy wants to go with Jesus and what does he say he says go back to your family you know go back to your family and I think that that's really interesting for us and it has implications for evangelization because there were all kinds of people who were not apostles that followed Jesus all over yeah like yeah. this guy, this guy could have followed him. There's no question, but he told him to go back to his family, and and I think that that says something about the fact that we're called to encounter Christ in others and to bring Christ to others. Like there's something there about this idea that Christ was willing to say, like, look, no, you're you're better with your family. I gave you that family to encounter Christ. I gave you your neighbors. I gave you your place to encounter Christ with those people and to bring Christ to those people. Um, it kind of speaks a little bit to how interconnected we are and how important it is that we see every relationship, every moment, every every time as a time of encounter between us and others and Christ. When you say that, it reminds me of, um, I, I was attempting to write a book on Christian discipleship. Turns out there are thousands of them, <laughs> and so and they're all better than mine. Um, but one of the things that I had done was I went onto the Jewish Encyclopedia, the Catholic Encyclopedia, and I'm pulling out all these. You know, back before people were super PC when they didn't pull their punches, and I was reading about like rabbinical Judaism and all this stuff. And you hear all these like, "Come follow me," and what was that like at the at the first century? And and some of my studies tend to point that that was really more like third, fourth, fifth, eighth century stuff. But okay. um, but one of the things that I found was that, number one, a Jewish rabbi who had disciples only had like four, five, or six. They were all young boys, and this was essentially their college, right? Like this is, the, they have been educated, and the best of the best were selected to follow the rabbi, and that's how schools of thought were 
perpetuated, right? Rabbis taught their particular school of approach. They didn't have huge universities or anything like that, especially not outside of Jerusalem. So when you think about it from that perspective, what did Jesus have? And I remind this when I talk, especially to more um, liberally minded audiences, Jesus okay. had women disciples. Oh, yeah. Right. The whole story with Martha and Mary. Right. Martha is serving. She's doing the typical role of a woman in that environment. And Mary's discipling. Mary's being a disciple. And right. he says, Martha, you're anxious about many things, but Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her. Right. Mary chose to sit at my feet and listen to my teaching with the men. Right. That's the thing that I think people lose sight of. But here's the other thing. Lazarus, Mary and Martha all lived in Bethany and they were disciples of Jesus, but they weren't those who moved around. Right. They didn't they right. didn't follow an itinerant preacher. Right? right. The apostles did. Absolutely. And he directly discipled them. But the wider group of the disciples, which was composed of probably about 100, 200 people um, that were core, not all of them followed him from place to place to place. Many of them were returned to their homes. And so that when Jesus would go, they were like the outposts of the kingdom of God in these areas as he's preaching. And I think we lose sight of it. We just tend to think of like a disciple of Jesus is the 12 apostles and they followed him and they left everything and sold their homes right. in order to, you know, but that's not true. And what you just said reminds me of that great Mother Teresa quote, if you want to make right. the world a better place, go home and love your family. Love your oh, family. I want to go on world missions and I want to do this and I want to bring the gospel. And it's like, you don't even know your neighbor's name. <laughs> you don't even right. know your neighbor's name. Right. Go talk to them. Go love it's them. True. Go bless them. Yeah. It's true. It's absolutely true. And I totally just stole this episode for that topic. Like I, I Yeah, I'm a little upset. A little upset. I, I had all I, this stuff prepared. <laughs> but I think it's important, right, that we understand, you know, the, the I mean, these kind of universal principles of what evangelization is, you know. So I, I think like for our listeners, you, you have to realize that what we're calling you to is more than just living your faith in a way that people will see it. And that's amazing. It's good. And you need to do that. We need, but we're at a point in our history, we're at a point in time where we can't just circle the wagons and they'll know we are Christians by our love. We've got to go out and give the word of our testimony. That is how we're going to conquer. And we have to be more explicit and more strategic about our evangelization efforts. Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to hit up our five practical takeaways really hammering down on these definitions of evangelization so that you can understand what we're doing in this enterprise of proposing the gospel, of of making people aware that God is proposing to them, right? And so, um, so we're going to be back in a bit, but what I want you to do before this commercial break, pull out your phones, right? We have a new text to subscribe feature just for our Ooh, listeners. Fancy. So all you need to do is text EKSB, that's the fancy secret code, to 33777, such a holy number, and Ascension will add you to an email list. I think this is awesome. So they're going to send out the show notes weekly and the PDF of the five practical takeaways once a month. Okay, so you're going to get weekly awesome. show notes in your inbox and then once a month the five practical takeaways. That'll keep you busy for the whole next month. Um, <laughs> so really, really, really look at this, guys. I think this could be an excellent bridge Especially now that we're going to have emails, we have things you can forward to people, especially stuff like your pastor at your church and who's looking to, you know, maybe carry a, a, a staff retreat into the future, right? We can right. do these practices together. So once again, EKSB to 33777. That's your text to subscribe. We'll be right back. 
Imagine this, you're walking down the street and a Christian at a table with a bunch of pamphlets asks you, have you been saved? What would you do? Would you know how to respond? Hi, I'm Dr. Andrew Swafford and I'm co-presenter along with Jeff Cavins in Ascension's new Great Adventure Bible Study, Romans, the Gospel of Salvation. In this study, we teach you the biblical foundations for the Catholic teaching on salvation, how to explain salvation quickly and easily to non-Christians, what St. Paul really meant by works not leading to salvation, and how we can enter more deeply into Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans has been at the center of reflection, conversion, and controversy from the very beginning, and it's widely considered his greatest work. I invite you to start a small group in your home or parish and embark on this great adventure. Romans, the Gospel of Salvation is available for pre-order right now and for purchase on September 1st, 2019. To order, visit ascensionpress.com. Welcome back to our five practical takeaways. Me and Dave have a special set of practical takeaways, the walkie-talkie takeaways, and you're going to see what we're doing here. But I have a brief story to tell. Dave, can I tell you a story? Yeah, I, I would love to hear it. This is a story of my failure, okay? So our challenge last week was to tell someone that God loves them. And then Jeff Cavins came to my church, and he did this big old presentation. And then me and him and his wife, who is amazing, uh, we had lunch together, and then we had an early breakfast together. And we were just telling stories of just times where Jeff just walked up to people and was like, listen, you need to understand that God loves you and all this stuff. Well, I was at Mass, and I saw a woman who was alone at Mass who was on the struggle bus with her looks to be maybe a six or seven year old boy and he was doing the opposite of what everyone else was doing right when everyone was standing he was sitting when everyone was kneeling he would stand he was constantly going to the bathroom and all stuff and she's trying to do her best but she looked exhausted and i see this woman and i always i have a heart for men and women with kids who are struggling with kids and they feel so embarrassed you know because like the kids acting up at mass because i'm that guy a thousandfold So my thought was, you know, as an employee of the parish and and whatever, I should just let the woman know, like, just compliment her on her being an awesome parent and blah, blah, blah. Sure, (laughs) sure. So then uh, I have to leave to go teach my class. And so whenever the final blessing happens, more or less, I shuffle out the door to teach RCIA. Well, this woman leaves right before me. And I follow her out and I'm like, okay, Lord, this seems like a pretty easy. I'm right here. But then I second guess myself. Can I tell you why? Okay. Hashtag me too. I felt like such a creeper that I'm standing behind this woman throughout throughout mass. And then the second she leaves, I leave. Excuse me, ma'am. Can I tell you something? And I felt like such a creeper that I chickened out, said nothing. She even had another little kiddo in our nursery program. And so we're walking (laughs) into the same building. I didn't say a word. I tried to like be super nice, but oh, here, let me get the door for you. (laughs) I totally chickened out and failed. Gomer, it might have been better if you didn't start it out with, hey, baby do you know God yeah, loves you? <laughs> hello ladies no well, ladies? You failed i mean there's nothing you can do about it you failed yeah so. there's nothing uh, i can do but repent but all right here's let's our, do yeah yeah five yeah, practical takeaways here what? remember these are going to be either the walk or the talk we talked about the you know evangelization that has to be both right um so uh it's going to be from one of those things okay number one I just want you to, we've done this before, but I want you to do this. I want you to pick one person in your life, and I just want you to pick one change, one change in your life that has happened because, uh, as a result of your relationship with Jesus, and tell them about that one change. Just give them a chance to hear about what Christ, uh, one difference Christ has made in your life. After praying over Romans uh, 12 and following, I realized 
part of evangelizing with our witness or our walkie walkie is about how the way that we live our life. So here's the deal. If you're going to become a proclaimer of the truth for this week, do not gossip at all this week. No sins of the tongue, my friends, at all. Literally Yikes. zero gossiping this week. Walkie walkie. Awesome. All right, talkie talkie. All right, here we go. Uh, this time, I want you to invite a coworker or an acquaintance. Okay, it cannot be a friend. It's got to be someone that you're just, you know, kind of on the periphery of your life. And I want you to invite them for coffee. I mean, it's pretty simple, pretty easy. Um, or just invite them to have a conversation, have have a beer with them, or something like that. Uh, invite them out and just get to know them. Right. This is this is like a big boy evangelization stuff. You know, when you're actually making steps to try and build a relationship here. <laughs> I'm a real boy. Okay, so for walkie walkie, uh, we want you to fast for one day and donate that money to charity or to your parish. The idea being, right, I'm building up this notion of self-sacrificial generosity. I deny myself so that others might live. Awesome. And finally, your final talkie talkie. It's the opposite of number one. The opposite of number one is this. Ask a person about what Christ has done in their life. What what is the difference that Christ has made in their life? And that is that is the five practical takeaways. I mean, that's pretty simple. There, um, you know, yep. we build each other up. You know, these five practical takeaways are all about walking the walk and talking the talk. And 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 that is, you know, the combination of those are you know a powerful evangelization uh, method. Absolutely. So this has been your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization, reminding you to text EKSB to 33777 to get our email list. It's going to be awesome. God bless y'all. God bless. God bless.